Ugly Mother, The Reality of PPD by Teresa Phillips. I remember vividly the moment when I changed into someone that I did not recognize, someone I hated, someone ugly. I was attempting to change my daughter's diaper and she was in a wiggly, somewhat defiant stage of toddler life that resulted in a battle of wills. With my frustration mounting and my strong-willed daughter dishing out opposition like a baby anarchist, I lost it. I mean like a crazy person. I did not just yell at my child. I screamed with more fury than any other living soul had ever provoked in me. Just let me change your diaper! I had never yelled at another human being like that before, but there I was with the dearest little soul in my possession screaming. I hated myself. Lily was fine. She met my crazy display with laughter, but the whole scene was very traumatic for me. I did not recognize myself. I felt ashamed, confused, guilty, and horrid. I had never lost control like that in my life. Hoping it was a one-time occurrence, I pushed it to the recesses of my mind and continued to live my mom life the best I could. But this dark monster that hid in the cave of my subconscious was not content to take control but one lone time. It was a sneaky devil hibernating in the shadows, making me believe it had left. Then it would reemerge without warning or predictability and rear its ugly, furious head. Just when I was feeling in control, having some mom wins, it would emerge. Its attacks were few and far between, but each time it happened, I felt powerless to its control. Powerless to become a good mother. It didn't matter that I never physically lashed out or verbally degraded my children. It didn't matter that my words were far less harmful than the terrifying tone in which I communicated them. Each outburst would leave crying children in its wake, and that broke my heart. I sank further into hopelessness. As shame often does, it beckoned me to silence. I didn't dare share my struggle or the ugliest parts of my mother's soul with anyone. I was certain that this was just the new me. Motherhood had ruined me and morphed me into an angry, bitter, terrible person. I had gambled and lost. The mother hustler had duped me into thinking I could do this. Instead, it had stolen my joy and sentenced me to a life of bitter anger, stewing continuously and erupting sporadically to ruin the lives of my children. There was no better word to describe who I was than ugly. There was no defense I could muster against it. I would make plans using my knowledge of anger management and coping skills, tools I had often suggested to hurting souls from the other side of the counseling room. Every time they failed, there was no time to use tools. The dark creature took control before I knew what hit me. If I, a trained counselor, could not get myself out of this dark place, there must be something really wrong with me. Hopelessness grew. I was driving home from work one day, turning this problem over in my mind for the thousandth time. By now it had been years since that watershed moment when I was changing Lily's diaper, and I now had three beautiful souls in my shaky charge. Following the familiar path back home, my mind was free to analyze and pick apart my plaguing enigma. I began to differentiate between times when the episodes occurred in longer spans of time when they seemed dormant. Like puzzle pieces slowly notching together, I began to recognize that the monster was largely dormant when I was pregnant. Perhaps this was hormonal to some degree, perhaps having to do with postpartum. I was, of course, aware of postpartum depression. I had done the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale numerous times, as it is standard on postpartum units in the hospital and sometimes in postnatal OB appointments. 
There were pamphlets handed out during the fog of those first 72 hours after giving birth. But those pamphlets painted a picture of a mother with PPD crying continuously, staying in bed because she couldn't face the day, having thoughts of harming herself or her baby, and experiencing loss of interest in activities she had previously loved. This was not me. I was not depressed. Angry? Yes. Prone to irrational outbursts of irritability? Definitely. Depressed? No. But that day in the car, I resolved to look up the actually diagnostic symptoms of PPD. Not the Edinburgh questions or the little summation in the pamphlets, but the actual clinical symptoms. I sorted through the Mayo Clinic site detailing PPD symptoms and read them. I wept. In an instant, the mystique of the terrible monster that had been haunting me for years shattered. I glanced past the typical symptoms of sadness, crying, loss of interest, and then I saw it. Intense irritability and anger. That was me. That described perfectly what had been plaguing me for these many months. Like a door swinging wide and flooding my dark confusion with marvelous light, I realized that maybe, just maybe, I was not a terrible person. Maybe motherhood had not ruined me. Maybe what I was feeling was a thing, an actual medical condition with causes and treatments, something others experienced too. Maybe I wasn't so ugly after all. The next day, I called my OB's office and talked to the phone triage nurse. I explained to her that I thought I might have PPD, that I was not depressed per se, but that my anger had become unmanageable. And to this day, I am thankful to that dear nurse who said to me, actually, that is how we see most women exhibiting symptoms of PPD. Why hadn't the pamphlets told me that little tidbit? Armed with this confirmation, I saw my doctor and got a prescription for Lexapro. My OB recommended counseling as well, and I began my healing journey. My life changed. The transformation was dramatic. As the medication took effect, I found that though I still became angry, I had three small children, remember? Anger is par for the course. The emotion was no longer an attacking monster blindsiding me, but more like an elderly dog on a leash. I was able to take a breath and give a calm, measured response. Stern, straightforward, but without the shrieking and broiling lava of anger. I was in control once again, and it felt so good. I was able to be more like the mom I wanted to be. No more eruptions, no more crying children withdrawing from the verbal outburst. The occasional snappy comment or frustrated yell, but nothing like the attacks of old. It was freedom. I wasn't an ugly mother. I was a hurting mother that had finally found healing. Teresa, thank you so much. Something I think a lot of moms can relate to, and I just appreciate you sharing so honestly about it. And uh, as we start to do the little interview portion, I'd love to ask you, what are some of the things that you have learned from that experience that you wish you could share with other new moms who might be stepping into that kind of season? I guess something that I learned was that it's not always as straightforward as it seems. Yeah. And that if you're struggling, there's no shame in that. So if you know something's not right, if you feel like you're not yourself, that you can reach out and talk to somebody that can help you sort it out. It's not something you have to figure out ahead of time. It's not something that's always going to present really straightforward as, oh, this is clearly what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes help to kind of sort that out. I wish that I had um, talked to somebody earlier than I did, but I was just too confused and too shameful. Um, I thought I was the only one that felt that way. Mm -hmm. Well, I just feel like that's such an honest thing and so wise to recognize that it 
it's not as straightforward as you might expect. And I, I've had seven children, so I feel like it's taken me quite a few to realize that I think I've had some different postpartum depression elements at different times without ever recognizing that that's what that was. And it's only in hindsight that I'm, I'm like, okay, I can kind of put that puzzle together a little differently in my mind rather than just feeling bad that I couldn't get it together, you know? Right. Well, this is a question I've been asking some of the other moms who have shared during this Peaceful Home series. And um, so I'd love to ask you, what is one of your personal strengths or perhaps your secret mama superpower? It could be something silly or serious that you just know that you do really well at. I think I do really well at talking with my kids about how they're feeling, probably from my therapy background. Like I love mm. having those conversations about, um, tell me what happened, tell me, you know, how you feel, tell me why you feel that way. And so it's, um, something that I can do more and more as my kids get older, as they get a little more emotionally mature, but, mm-hmm. um, I love just, um, being that person to, for them that they can share their thoughts and feelings and I can affirm them and encourage them and kind of help them find some direction of what to do with those feelings. That's awesome. I think that is a great way to build their emotional intelligence and give them a space to begin to verbalize what they feel. I know that that is something in my family. I have two people in my family in particular who just really have a hard time actually speaking words about how they feel. (laughs) And so um, I'm really curious just from your background and your practice with your own children, if you have any particular tips about how you build that emotional literacy in their earlier years? Uh, I think it's important for kids to learn how to identify and name their emotions. And Mm so in the beginning years, it's a lot of um, the parent doing that for them. Like Mm -hmm. you're really mad because I wouldn't let you have that piece of candy or I can tell that you're sad because mommy has to go to work or, um, you know, helping them name that emotion. And Mm -hmm. another process that we're going through with my five-year-old, who is a very intense emotional feeler, such as myself, that Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to have all the feelings, but there's okay ways to express them and not okay ways to express them. So trying at an early age to teach her her own coping skills that she can use when she's overwhelmed by emotion. I'm just picturing like 10 years in the future when she's a hormonal PMSing teenager. Like I want <laughs> yes. her to know. Yes, I have to go one to of her those. room and <laughs> hang out. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, let's let's hang out and take some space if we aren't appropriate to be around other people right now or yeah. you know pull me aside. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with the feeling like, but, you know, throwing and screaming and those are not okay ways, but always being clear that it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling. There's nothing wrong with that, but let's learn how to express it appropriately. That's great. Well, awesome. I've been asking also, um, if you had to identify your more favorite household chore and your least favorite household chore, what would you say are your favorite and least favorite things? I really love folding laundry. Um, I hate putting it away, but (laughs) (laughs) I could fold it all day, probably because I usually like, it's kind of like a me time. I like stream something or just kind of listen to music or whatever. And I just mindlessly fold. So I really enjoy 
that. My least favorite is probably um, cleaning showers. Uh-huh. I would rather scrub like 15 toilets than clean a single shower. <laughs> I just hate it. So oh. that's, I avoid that chore as much as possible. <laughs> that's funny. I absolutely outsource my shower cleaning to my kids. <laughs> I'm yes. like, here's some scrubby stuff and here, and I just have them get in and they just handle it. So that's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'd love to ask you just one more question as we wrap up. And since we're in the middle of the Peaceful Home series, uh, I've just been asking how you personally find or create or cultivate peace in your home. I really um, am a big advocate of nighttime routines. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it can be a really special time, especially with, you know, multiple children in the house for a child to get one-on-one time with the parent. And um, we always, you know, read a book, read a Bible story, talk a little bit about their day, sing a song, go to bed. And I just think that's such a um, a calm and peaceful time of the evening and also a chance that they know that they get one-on-one time with one of us. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's just really valuable time that they value and so do we. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think bedtime routines are great. I find at my house, it is kind of a hit or miss thing. Some nights are, everybody does the process really seamlessly and other nights it's just everyone's bananas for like right up until I'm like, okay, fine, lights are off and we're just going to skip some of that stuff because it's just pandemonium. But I think think that's great. Well, Teresa, I so appreciate you sharing this piece with us today and I hope that our listeners will connect with you more um, either online or, um, you know, follow up with wherever you write online. Can you maybe share where they can find you online? Yeah, I am um, at the Gritty Mama, mm-hmm. G-R-I-T-T-Y Mama on um, Instagram. And also my Facebook page is called The Gritty Mama. Wonderful. Well, thanks for your time. And thanks so much for sharing with us. All right. Thank you for having me. 